listening to The Unlabeling Effect. We gather here every other week to explore all things mental health. Let us be part of your support system to inspire and motivate you to take care of your well-being. We, Vivian, Risha, and myself, Melody, welcome you to our UE community. Hey everyone, this is Vivian. Today, we have a very special episode for you. We're collaborating with the Kelly Support Group, an NGO that was established in 1991 and is focused on supporting young people in Hong Kong between the ages of 14 and 24 who are dealing with substance abuse and mental health challenges. We got together to bring you a conversation on a topic that affects us all, emotional baggage. This episode was originally broadcasted on RTHK, and we are beyond thrilled to share it with you today. Joining us is one of the youth members of the Kelly Support Group, Renee Wong. Hello guys, welcome back to another episode. Today we have Mel and Vivian from the Unlabeling Effect here. And today we're going to surround the topic of emotional baggage. Thank you, Renee, and thank you, the Kelly Support Group, for having us here. So we are the Unlabeling Effect. We are like a mental wellness podcast uh, where Vivian, Risha, and myself open up uncomfortable conversations, especially on mental wellness, mm-hmm. um, in the hope to create more of a supportive and empowering community. We look forward to having different perspectives on this topic on emotional baggage today. There's an official definition of emotional baggage, right? Mm. How about we run through that first and then we can see like what Renee thinks. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And I'll give my own definition. Yeah, because <laughs> emotional baggage usually refers to unfinished emotional triggers mm. or traumas or pain or difficulties where we feel like we cannot empty up space in our mind and it also very likely to affect our present self our behaviors but what do you think renee i personally usually think about how like emotions have been suppressed for a long time and Mm -hmm. even though if we think we have released everything out there's still a part that stays in our mind Mm -hmm. which bothers us I'd say. Mm. Yeah. It's very similar to how I see the definition. And that's based on the trauma that you experienced Mm. as a child. And I think there's a stigma that when people talk about trauma they think that oh it must be something that's like PTSD. But it can be such a small thing. Mm. You just haven't let go or Mm. haven't passed it through your system. I think it's either like from the past or fear of the future. That's interesting. Um, Like a future worry as well? Yeah, Mm -hmm. like fear of something that Mm -hmm. might happen. But the fear could also be caused by previous trauma. It's not only about like trauma, but how someone drastically has like a change in their life and they are not happy with their old self. I think that's Mm -hmm. also like part of an emotional back. Okay, for example, if Mm -hmm. this person was always worried about how he used to look, even though physically he has changed in a way. It's like body shaming from other people. Uh, It's just like lack of self-confidence. I guess especially like at your age. Um, I remember my time in school Mm -hmm. at that time, people were so body conscious. Even like, you know what? I used to be so skinny, like extremely skinny. And people would verbally like joke about 
how skinny I was oh, and then no. you were the opposite <laughs> and so like either way like you would still have those uh, body shaming yeah I think like experience. it was really stuck in your memory because when I was like younger I used to be like a really really chubby kid mm-hmm. but until today I've started exercising playing sport part of me is to say that I'm still the fat kid in school mm-hmm. it's part of your identity yeah it's part somehow. of my identity and so yeah. this is like your self-talk how do you express that then like are you still like mad Managing it right now or you think you're in a very different place it's actually both like oh. sometimes I'll still be like am I over this am mm. I over this face but then mm. sometimes I'm like yeah I'm not the old self anymore I've changed mm. it, yeah. so it's like the stability um, of the mindset varies depends on where you stand that's why it's called baggage yeah Yeah, yeah. and it's true like even till now we always on our podcast we talk about self-doubt so we talk about self-confidence yeah because you need to build that strength in mind you know to constantly remind yourself who you are what you are like why are you doing this like you know where you stand but it takes so long even we struggle and we are like you know like we've gone through a little bit more in life i can think back when I was like in school all those little voices you Mm -hmm. know of what people say or you haven't established like you're still trying to become someone that you want to be right yeah yeah. so you have a lot of noises at the back and when people try to tell you oh you're fat or oh you're not looking good in this dress Mm -hmm. and those really affect you because you don't have that stability or anchor in your mind just yet to say Mm -hmm. no like I look great in this don't say that to me and you're not in the place to say that i think my current emotional baggage that i hope to address is anxiety Mm -hmm. with exams i've experienced like physical sickness and mental sickness i I couldn't sleep i cry on my own at night Mm -hmm. and i sweat sometimes Mm -hmm. like and my hands keep like shaking and i couldn't do the exams Mm because i was like so 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 nervous Mm because like i always have this thing I tell myself if I do not do well in this exam it's gonna ruin everything I put too much pressure on myself and that has obviously became an emotional baggage in your past experience you must have performed not so well like either hockey or exams did they give you a hard time or how did they respond so for hockey not really but then my parents didn't really pressure me but instead to my coach and my teammates because I'd say I personally have a pretty competitive mindset so I Mm -hmm. often compare myself with people like I'll be like, oh yeah, she defended like the goal better than I did. For academic, yeah, my parents did give me a hard time. Right. Because like, my parents, they value education a lot. I have siblings that's around my age, Mm -hmm. and so I often get compared to my older sibling, actually. Mm -hmm. And then like, I know we're built differently, but then Mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel like, I think I should appreciate who I am, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of like going at, oh yeah, I'm not as good as him. I feel like a lot of kids at that age, or not kids anymore, pretty much teenagers. Young adults. Yeah, Yeah, young adults. I feel like that's exactly the same struggle that we had. Yeah. Being compared with your siblings is the worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, but also, I think... Parents, listen up. Because <laughs> I remember Viv mentioned that sometimes you would have an image. Your parents just know the way to deal with their kids, but actually, it's not. They don't and know, yeah. you mentioned that, you know what? Sometimes you have to be the parent 
yeah for, like of your parents yes. yeah. because you are at the best stage of life right now to really like make so many changes in mm-hmm. your future if you yeah, want to definitely. you know every move that you choose like you can you don't have much pressure in a sense that you don't have to be financially independent mm-hmm. or you know you don't have to care for anyone else mm-hmm. but from your academic side of things the pressure is as much as a working person mm-hmm. you know it's yeah, just a different yeah, yeah. type of pressure yeah. especially when you constantly like being like compared a cycle in life yeah yeah like we all have that cycle in life but, but do you communicate with your parents when they make you feel mm-hmm. a certain way there's been a lot of pressure on you and you're not necessarily knowing how to channel those because you're so scared of disappointing them yeah. I do open up to mm-hmm. my parents they were pretty good listeners. Mm. Given that my parents, they have actually went through the same mm. thing as me. But sometimes they just like unconsciously like said something. They didn't even like realize themselves. And I would also like dig a little bit deeper. Because I went through like a very lost stage in my life. You've said that you are a very competitive person. Mm-hmm. And for us, maybe we're in a stage where we want to achieve so much in our career too. Yeah. But then actually it's the same thing. It stems from I want to prove something mm. of myself. Yes. But then why is that? What's the first time that you experienced or had this thought like, oh, I want to win. Oh, I need to outperform you know, like a co-host Rita, like it's one of her long-time struggle. Mm-hmm. It's that she constantly wants to outperform everyone and then she burns out. And I think it all comes back to like a self-worth thing. At the end of the day, when I view self-worth, mm-hmm. it's like who I am, what I'm actually doing. Is it making me happy or mm-hmm. not? Or sometimes when you heavily rely on people's validation mm-hmm. or reassurance, like it would scare me if, what if like one day, for example, you have to be forced to live alone or, yeah. or, or you know be, you, iso- be isolated and then you have no more outside world validation or yeah or you know like your self-worth will be like titanic like no that's why i think that's something that we still struggle sometimes yeah. we're slowly building that because we realize how important it is mm-hmm. remember when i was in school like when i was when i was still in hong kong i used to dress in a very outstanding way i think Mm -hmm. it was my insecurity as a kid like acting out so that i would constantly have my dress like so short i would have like a massive like bun bun like (laughs) you know it's just like how you know i think looking back it's like my younger me like trying to act so confidently so that i can prove to people yeah exactly it's like a very interesting journey to look back what kind of emotional baggage that you've been through or are going through you think now Mel? yeah it's quite we all have like so many <laughs> yeah i think for me it's more like the future mm-hmm. it's not really like from the past but i think past experiences had caused me to realize the fear that i have which is like um the fear of losing someone that i love Mm. because my mom has been unwell Mm. so i think that really had triggered me to really forcing me to face like the fear that i've always been suppressing Mm. like even like in the past when my parents had episodes of cancer or health issues like i would be so scared Mm -hmm. but i remember the first time when i had like this kind of feeling Mm. was when i was really young because that was like back in 2000 2000 yeah 
And um, I think also baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think at that point I just didn't know what it was. Oh. I just didn't know. Like I think the fear. Mm-hmm. It was just something was wrong in the family. Yeah. But I wasn't sure what. Didn't know how to help. Just there. Just being there. You're just a clueless. Yeah. Kid. I think as like different events of like my parents like feeling unwell or you know different cancerous episode, I was learning to understand or acknowledge my fear. Mm-hmm. But every time it was really lucky that there was no like a consequence of death. Mm-hmm. So I never had to face that, mm-hmm. you know. But then now I feel like with with the most recent, um, I guess encounter or the most recent, Diagnose. yeah, um, this is like a scary one that I'm currently still facing, mm-hmm. and this time I don't want to suppress because I want to be able to learn how to cope with it. This time is the first time I'm being present with it and really like trying to experience the fear, but mm-hmm. not. Hiding any sadness or any, you know, mm-hmm. I think this is like a slightly more grown-up me mm-hmm. learning how to cope this emotional baggage that I've been having mm-hmm. for years, but never really addressed it. You're mm-hmm. opening up the baggage. I'm opening up the, yeah. ba- the baggage. That's actually good. <laughs> I I do like experience as a close friend of yours. You are trying different mental health practices. You're so open to like mm-hmm. talk to your friends. You're like, oh, I'm not feeling okay today, mm-hmm. or I might need your help. Compared to what like before, you might not like mm-hmm. mention it even mm-hmm. until it was like very serious. Yeah, I remember you pointed it out to me as a kid. I think maybe around your age. I would used to just deal with my own thing. Yeah, I would just suppress it or yeah. face it with my own way, but probably not really facing it, mm-hmm. but just trying to suppress it. Little a baby step from mm-hmm. how I would usually have dealt with that. It's a process, I think. It is like a when process. you're aware of the baggage. Yeah, and one thing that I think is important is sometimes people feel like if something bad happens, mm-hmm. your life would have to crumble. And this time, I really want to prove it to myself that. Even if bad things happen, I could still have my life balanced. Mm. But it's just that I need to work harder on certain aspect of my life. So because it's a challenging time. But like, do you have any Viv, like? Do you have any fear or any kind of emotional baggage? I have a lot actually. But since like we talked about you opening a baggage, mm. let me share an example where I actually closed that baggage and I put it down. I would say it's my relationship with my mom, mm. and I think how I spotted it—it's very much like you guys. Like I constantly get triggered by her with no apparent reason because she has been so lovely to me, and I've never understood why. Like, why am I so impatient with her? Why am I so rude to her? And sometimes when I said something, the next second I would be like. Oh my God! Like, who are you? Like, are you like a monster? Why would you say something like that? And then um, I think to like my therapist. I said something in a session. I was like, sometimes it's so unfair to my mom. And then he paused me, and he's like, and who said that? Like, who can determine what's fair? Mm-hmm. So that made me really realize that. This resentment or this evil me is valid. She had a point, and then I asked my therapist, "How am I gonna handle this? I don't want to have this relationship with my mom because I've been trying for maybe like ten-ish years since、um, my parents' divorce. I've always wanted to rekindle this relationship, but it always failed." So 
he was like um emotional baggage or trauma they're really like uh mold Mm -hmm. you need to expose them Mm -hmm. so i tried a few times to really schedule drinks slash dinner dates and then every time (laughs) it would just end up like two women in a bar like crying (laughs) 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 poor waiters it didn't get soft like one time i think we went for like three four times and i'm not always right i'm always like guessing scenarios maybe because of this maybe because of that and then we talked about it and i think now like i don't feel that resentment anymore and that is through constant try and my therapist (laughs) and also the support that i got from my mom too because if she wasn't open to talk it out with me like it will still be there and i will have to learn how to live with that baggage Mm -hmm. forever Mm -hmm. um but this is a really nice example and Mm -hmm. i understand where we're coming from because Mm -hmm. of the stories the different stories that we have in our heads Mm -hmm. and then now they're finally aligned yeah so like i would ask mel like have you ever considered like openly discuss this fear with your parents and i think you did right I tried. I did, but I think I'm now at a stage where I know that they are going through a lot because this is like a very sensitive time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure on themselves as well, my dad and my mom. So I just think I would want to play a role that I can be there to support them. I don't necessarily want to explain to them my fear of losing them because they know that I love them so much that even when they cough, or even when they like, yeah. you know, act differently a day, like that worries me so much. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not the priority like in life right now mm-hmm. to, to communicate with them about my fear of losing them. Yeah. Um, but I think the best way I want to do it is to make sure I stay positive with everything else I could and then make sure I have my support system in place. Mm. Like when you mentioned about you having your therapist, I know that you journal a lot <laughs> and I think like you have your way of supporting yourself you know yeah. mentally I think there are two parts to this like first of all you need to be okay with mm-hmm. all the uncertainties because yeah. life is gonna have like more and more uncertainties yeah. when you grow older but then like sometimes I would imagine myself like expanding as a bubble mm-hmm. like even though I have one emotional baggage I can actually handle like a lot like mm-hmm. you said like my life doesn't have to crumble down or lean into that fear mm-hmm. And I also think that the second part is the self-worth thing, right? Mm. What if everybody in my support system left me? Yeah. Actually, I'll still be okay. It's never as bad as you think it will be. And it's never going to be as good as you think it will be. So actually, we're more stable than we imagined. But our worries, our minds, our emotional baggage shadow will just like go whoosh. (laughs) But actually, in reality, you're just like this. Yeah. But I also think it's normal and it's a good thing to have ups and downs. Because when you're high, you understand how grateful you are. And then when you're at a low point, mm-hmm. you realize that like, you've been at yeah. a certain place. Sure. You know you can get there. You know, I think it's like being grateful and just mm. be more grounded. It's something that people can't take away from me. And I don't need yeah. people's reassurance. Towards the end of the episode, since we're called the unlabeling effect, usually in each episode, we'll ask um, the people who join us to share one thing that they want to unlabel. As the youth, I think we should be unlabeled from who we will be. People are having high hopes about how like, 
if you don't do this and don't do that, you're mm-hmm. gonna end up nowhere. I feel mm-hmm. like you should be labeled of like who they will be in the future instead of focusing on developing who they want to be. Yeah, mm, that's that's a good the norms. Mm. So like embrace who they are. I love that. Thank you so much, Renee, and the Kelly support group. Thank you for having me here today. Thank you for tuning in, and let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Unlabeling Effect. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and iTunes, and give us a rating. Until then, dare to feel, dare to be real.